This sports social podcast is brought to you by BetVictor, where live streams, smart stats, and in-play betting can help you make your best bet yet. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. season we're back in the first division first game is against Arsenal at Highbury yeah. it's been shown on YouTube it's been out there's been other clips of Chelsea fans basically taking over Highbury especially yeah. the, the, the stand behind the goal what was the mood like amongst the team before the game on this particular season was there perhaps a little bit of optimism that with with the confidence within the team we could have a good season. What was sort of the mood like amongst the players? I mean, it was exciting, obviously. And, and uh, you know, there was a challenge, but the confidence was high and we, we believed we could we could keep the momentum going, you know. Um, you know, it, it was it was just a fully concentrated team, you know, and, and uh, we weren't used to losing. So we didn't want to to experience that. So uh, we knew the season was going to be obviously a lot, lot tougher than what the, the previous season was. But I think we had belief in each other. And uh, I think that was that was probably... Um, I don't think there was any fear or anxiety in the team because we weren't that type of players, you know what I mean? Uh, you can't imagine, you know, Dixon and Speedy and Nevins and all them being frightened to play in the Premier League, you know. Um, you know, they believed in their own ability and they believed in the team. And uh, I think we were all the same, you know. So, yeah, we went went into it with confidence and, and used to winning, really, and that's really important. And it was the end of that season, Chelsea finished sixth, which is even, even nowadays for a promoted team to finish that high is Quite, yeah. quite remarkable, but we also reached the semi-finals of the League Cup that year. Overall, that season was quite a productive one for Chelsea going forward. Do you feel it may have laid the foundations going forward for Chelsea? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest goal in Chelsea's history, arguably, was Clive Walker at Bolton. Hmm. <laughs> and I talk about that a lot, you know. Um, I played in that game, and that was that was scary, you know. Mm. That's scary, you know. Getting promotion is not scary, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. Scary relegation and looking over your shoulder is scary, you know. Um, and I I really don't know to this day what would have happened to Chelsea if if, uh, if that result had gone against us, you know. I really don't know. 
Um, but, you know, the, the success that's been built following that season we're talking about, um, I think you have to say, and you have to be honest about it, the success was built um, when uh, Mr. Abramovich came in, you know, and, and you know, in, in in today's football, it's a completely different story, mm. you know, um, and we couldn't compete financially in that league. You know, if you look at our players and our, you know, the, the income that was generated and, and therefore the the wages that were paid and everything else, uh, it's a completely different story, you know. And uh, so it's, it's, it's hard to say yes, but possibly it had an effect on the new owner eventually buying the club because it was in a, a good position, but not in a position that couldn't be improved. And the rest is history, you know, let's be honest about it. Uh, a massive change in ownership, a massive change in finance and a huge change in the football club. Um, you know, obviously competing with the, the world's greatest clubs and, 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 uh, and winning so many trophies following that. It was the summer of 1985. John Neal would leave Chelsea with John Hollins taking over. Was do you remember where you was when you heard the news about this change and what was sort of the general consensus of the team because of this change? I think, yeah, I think it was, I think it was pretty well known that John wasn't a well man. And, uh, John Hollands had, had sort of, I wouldn't say taken over, but he was, you know, doing a lot of the job anyway at that time, you know. Um, so I think John's, condition uh wasn't good um and i think i think it was half expected and uh <clears throat> the football club uh obviously tried to keep him on in a, a different role if you like um so yeah it wasn't it wasn't unexpected but uh i think john knew that he couldn't continue doing what he was doing and therefore he needed to stand to the side and, and his health came first and, and we all respected that to be quite honest. Now unfortunately for you, injuries started to rack up as well mm. and appearance appearances for the club were on, on the decline. From a personal point, how frustrating was this for you knowing that you was an established first team of the Chelsea but the yeah. injuries started to rack up and there was a point for you was this a case of, you know, getting more frustrated because of the injuries and because of the lack of game time that you would be getting? Yeah, I think I think what it was was uh, John. Um, there was also there it was um, Darren Morpin up down or Darren Wood. Wood, yeah, Darren Wood was also competing at right back, so it was really um, a choice between myself and Darren and. Uh, John quite liked Darren, uh, from what I can gather. Um, but I think if I was 100% fit, the book, because the book, the team knows who, who, who is the better player, if you like, you know, you know, it's, it's sort of, I wouldn't say the team picks itself, but, you know, the players know 
who they would prefer in the team. Or, or, you know, and I'm not I'm not having a go here at all. But the point I'm making is my injuries really set me back, and it was it was more than frustrating to me. You know, it was a it's the worst thing that can happen to someone that you you, you know I would get myself fit and because I love training, I was like a, a, a training fanatic to a degree. Um, so I would get myself fit. I would do every exercise, do everything I could to get myself fit, play two or three games, and then the same injury would come back again. Right. You know, and it now, you know, with the sports science and the everything that's gone on uh, in terms of rehabilitation and uh, dietary, you know, you name it, they've got it. If I'd had that, um, I think I probably would have racked up about 500 games, you know, Um but unfortunately, my injuries took the toll. Um, but I, you know, I I played games at three-quarter pace, if you like, you know, because I had to psychologically restrict myself to certain stuff, you know, which was, was quite difficult to do, but I did it. And, um, you know, I never... What it, what it did also is, because I, I'm quite a, an active person... Um, and if there was a plus to this, it led me into coaching because what I did when I was injured, um, I went and helped with the youth team and started coaching the youth team. And so it was an eye opener to me into my future, to be honest. Um, and I love working with the youth team. Um, I was given the opportunity, uh, took the opportunity and even travel to them in, in FA Youth Cup games every so often, you know. So, um, yeah, it, yeah. So it led me into coaching, and uh, as I say, I would, I would obviously in between the training and that, I would then um, jog over to the the area where the, the lads were, and then when I wasn't able to train, uh, I would go out and uh, take a training session you know, build training sessions up myself. And, you know, it, it, it was uh, something that kept me active, really, when I was really doom and gloom, it was when I was injured, because I was a, uh, I hated it, you know, it was, it was, and when it kept reoccurring and reoccurring and um, so frustrating, you know, and uh, as I said just now, you know, I, I, I wanted to play every game and uh, injuries prevented me from doing that. You were selected, though, for the full Members' Cup final at Wembley against Manchester City. Mm. What was it like for you to play at Wembley? And obviously, talking about the game overall, it was quite a crazy game, <laughs> scoreline-wise, and also, you know, with, with how it ended up. Because I believe also Chelsea were either playing two days later, or it might have been the day Well, later. no, they played the day, be- they played day the before. Day- yeah, we played the day before at Southampton. That's right. Thank you. And Curry uh, got a um, a groin, a slight groin injury, and that opened the door for me to play up front. And Dave Speedy and I, because we were best friends, and and uh, but whenever Speedo and I played up front together, we always again had an understanding, you know. And we we uh, so Speedo said, you know, that basically that. You know, it, was, it it didn't change for him because he knew, and I knew, and the way that he played, he knew the way I played. And um, we didn't feel as if um, 
you know, we had any 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 problems playing up front together, even though I was playing it right back, you know. But yeah. but you know, it was it it worked, you know. And, and uh, as I said before, you know, I I understood what was required at right back, and also understood what was required up front. So um, so thankfully, I was selected to play up front with him, and uh, Kerry had to sit that one out and. Uh, you know he he um, he supported it. Uh, we wind him up now when we see him every so often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean the, the the game itself. I mean I think I think because majority of the players had played in a game the day before, then later on in that game you would anticipate fatigue setting in and mistakes being made and things like that. Um. And, and believe it or not, like I said just now, I wasn't 100% fit in that game. You know, I had to play um, at three-quarter pace, to be honest. I couldn't really sprint flat out. Um, but I played within myself, and, and thankfully it paid off, you know. I was only Mick McCarthy I was playing against anyway, so, you know, it didn't matter too much. <laughs> no, but... Um, yeah, it got a bit. It got a bit scary in the end, and mm. and, and uh, I think Doug Rugby forgot that he was supposed to be scoring in the other end, not our end. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was a great game, and uh, eighty odd thousand people there yeah. um, playing at Wembley and, and scoring, and uh, oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, you can't you can't buy that. You know, it's it's. It sticks with you. It, it um, you know, your family's there as well, and you know, people say, "Oh, it's only the full members' cup," you know, but yeah, it was the one and only full members' cup. It was still a cup. It was still something to win, and it was played at Wembley in front of a huge crowd. So, um, you know, don't take that away from us. You know, that was that was something special, and I've still got the medal, which I got out a few weeks ago. Um, Polished it up because it was silver. It had gone a bit tarnished, but uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was a fantastic day. You know, it, it the celebrations and the the celebrations of getting promotion and the celebrations of winning that were similar, similar feelings. You know, um, but you know, who who goes to Wembley? Speedle got a hat trick. I got two. Who, who, you know. Uh, there's not many do that, you know, so it was brilliant, you know, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Would you say on that particular occasion for that game, that provided some comfort for you, knowing that you did have a bit of a struggle that season and all all of a sudden you're selected for this cup final, you play well, albeit not 100%, you score two goals, not many players can score two goals at Wembley, let alone in the cup final, and then you end up winning the trophy. Would you say that that was sort of a nice end to the? Uh, yeah, I don't really. Season? Yeah, I think I think that you know it. it I don't want to keep up, but the, the frustration of being injured, you know, was was affecting me. And I, I think when you when I think most players or most athletes, you know, it's like a sprinter if he keeps tearing hamstrings like I did. Eventually, he can't sprint, you know, because psychologically, his brain is saying, "If you do this, you know, we're going to struggle." Yeah. Um, so, 
that's why I said in you know in that game I had to play within myself, but use my intelligence really, do enough, don't get injured, you know, receive the ball, do what you've got to do, get back into the box and and, and make sure you're there when it arrives, you know. So, um, yeah, I think I think winning that um, and scoring the two goals and being part of that team um, for that particular game uh, will. will yeah, it took away a huge amount of frustration, but the person I am, I, I still wanted to play every game. I still wanted to be fit, but unfortunately, my body wouldn't allow me to do that. Now, you made a handful of appearances afterwards until you left the club permanently in 1987. When did you decide that this was going to be the right time to go? And as you said, you always wanted to yeah. had a, a key eye on coaching. When did you decide that coaching would be the best way to well, it was, leave football from yeah. playing? Well, I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to leave Chelsea. Never. I could have stayed there forever, you know, um, coaching. I, but it came to a point where um, it was pretty evident that my coaching was going to um, eventually take over from my playing days. So I went to see John Johnny Hollins and um, asked him if there was a coaching position available to me at Chelsea. Um, probably one of my most disappointing meetings I ever had because um, there wasn't, and um, and that got me thinking because I was obviously planning to go into coaching. I was involved taking some of the sessions with the youth team. And I just thought it would be a natural progression, you know. Mm. I wasn't, I still wanted to play and I still could have played the odd game in and out if needed and backed up the, the team. So that started me thinking, I, I still had a contract, you know, I, I think I had at that time when I discussed it, I think I still had an 18 month contract. Um, right. And I was just trying to, not just look at my future, but also give something back to the club in a different way by becoming a coach and trying to trying to help the youth team progress as well, you know. So, yeah, that was um, one of the disappointments I had uh, was not being able to stay there and, and get involved with the, the youth policy and stuff like that. But the decision was made, so... Um, I then sort of was asked to play in like an exhibition game. Um, uh, Steve Perman asked me, and the I played in this exhibition game in, in Norway. Um, a few of us flew out and played in it, and um, and from that I had a discussion about my future really with with the people that were there with uh, Steve Perman as well. And said, you know, I'd like to go into coaching. I've, I've taken the badges. I'm trying to, you know, progress it as best I can. Um, but I also want to try and play games as well, you know, to the very end. Anyway, um, that's what led me over to Brentford, really, where um, I think it was known that I, I might have been put on the list. But I'm not sure. Um, but... I actually had a phone call from Don Mackay, 
who was a coach at Chelsea, who then went to Blackburn Rovers. And Don phoned me and said, I'd like you to come and play for me at Blackburn Rovers. And I said, well, Don, my, my aim now is to play games, but also I want to get into coaching. I said, and I have to put that really on a level terms of playing. You know, I want to be a coach, but I still want to play. And he said, well, Colin, I can't promise you that at the moment, but maybe in a year's time, um, there's one coach who might be leaving. So I said, well, I don't, I don't not believe you, Don, but I can't really come up to Blackburn just on a promise. You know, I, I need to have something, blah, blah, blah. So then out of the blue, Steve Perriman phoned me and said, would you like to come over and, and, uh, coach, like start the youth policy at Brentford? Um, they had a, a center of excellence, had nothing else going, you know, it was, um, but play some games and, uh, come over to Brentford and that's what happened, you know? Right. Um, so it wasn't me asking to leave Chelsea. It was really me wanting to get into a different, um, uh, <laughs> the next stage in my career, if you like. Um, but no, I would never have left Chelsea in a million years. You know, yeah. uh, given the opportunity, I would have probably still been there now. You know, but uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. So I went to went to Brentford and uh, was very very successful. I think the youth team I set up there, um, I think it's still the most successful youth team they've they've had in the history of the club. You know, with the likes of Marcus Gale. Um, Jason Cousins, who played for Wickham, um, Kelly Haig. Uh, there's a lot of players who came through. We actually uh, beat Manchester United in the FA Youth Cup, so and got through to the semis with it. So we were we were successful in, in youth football, um, but that's the story behind me leaving Chelsea, unfortunately. <laughs> Was you surprised when you sort of look back on that particular decision? Before we talk about today's football yeah. when you look back on that decision whether it was John Holland or whether it was another person's decision not to keep you on at Chelsea was you surprised with with that decision or did you maybe want to um, have a conversation with Ken Bates about it was there a potential sort of road whereby you could have maybe stayed at Chelsea but in a different capacity yeah I don't waited I... for coaching yeah, I, I don't think we we really. I think the decision was always going to be the manager at that time, and I think that was my thinking, you know. And um, it wasn't really, it wasn't really known at that. It wasn't really expected at that time to bypass the manager and go to the chairman, if you like, you know. So I had respect for the people, um, and. I was, I was really, I was, I mean, I'm still disappointed now, you know, mm. uh, I was really disappointed with the decision um, because I'm not saying it forced me out of Chelsea, but, you know, I, I knew that I couldn't continue playing on a regular basis and I, and I needed to think about my family yeah. and, and everything else, you know, so, um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm telling, I'm telling 100% truth, you know, it was, it was one of the, biggest disappointments I had whilst I was at Chelsea was not being able to stay at Chelsea. You know, I look at John Terry now and I, I don't put myself in his bracket, but I look at John now. You know, he goes, you know, he's, he's back at Chelsea. He's with the youth team. And I think, you know, I could have done that. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and I would have, I would have 
mean, you don't never know, but I would, I mean, I don't know if you do know, but I, I, I actually ran a, an under 13s uh, team, uh, not team, uh, it was like a, a football school um, on a weekly basis. I ran that down here in, in Torquay for six years for Chelsea. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I only packed it in a, um, about 18 months ago because I had to have a knee operation. But um, so when I came back down to this part of the world, um, I got involved with the college and set up a football education program and Chelsea came and supported it all for me. Um, so I don't know how many years later I actually <laughs> got involved in the youth football. So, um, and I had a fantastic six years. They, Chelsea supported it through the foundation. Um, we had a, a connection also with the academy, but it was supported through the yeah. foundation. Mm. And I went up to Cobham, took the, the kids used to go up. We had a, um, I, I, we had uh, about uh, six, about eight coaches working under us down here, under me down here. We had a physiotherapist. And Chelsea supported every single uh, angle of that particular um, uh, centre, which was brilliant, you know. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And we've got, we've got eventually, because obviously it had to be done through the foundation and we, you know, it's too far away to have a centre of excellence. Mm. Um, we sort of alerted Exeter City and Plymouth Argyle, who are close by, because Chelsea wanted the best education for the best players in this area and supported it. They supplied them kit. They supplied us with all the training kit, everything. Balls, bibs, you name it. They, they supplied it all. And, um, and there was no real cost to the parents for their kids to come to this school. Chelsea did it all through the foundation, you know. So anyway, um, I'm so proud to say that over a six year period, we've now got I think it's 15 players uh, in the Exeter City set up and four players in the Plymouth Argyle set up. So, wow. so Chelsea really have done a great job in this area, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it, it allowed the kids to be involved in a, a top, top football club and go and experience playing at Cobham every so often uh, in little tournaments and mm. various things. So, yeah, so I did it eventually, let's put it that way. <laughs> you got there in the end, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we finish, Colin, I want to talk about today's event and one particular aspect of today's event, which I am glad it wasn't around when you was playing, especially when I was involved in watching Chelsea at the first time in the 90s, was VAR. What's oh. your take on it? There's a lot of this. There's still a lot of debate about it even today, although it's been out for a couple of years now. Some people are opposed to it. Some people actually are for it. Where do you stand with it? I've got mixed feelings, to be quite honest. You know, I think that I think if if the ball crosses the line, I think that's where it started. You know, um, when it hits the crossbar, comes down, and no one knows where it's crossed the line or not. You know, the linesman. Um, or the assistant referee, they're called now, aren't they? Um, That's right. <laughs> you know, he's totally blinded because, you know, he's never stood behind the corner flag because he wouldn't see anyway, you know, and that's the line that you've got to look, you know. 
So I think in that situation, I'd support it. But some of these offside things are yeah. absolutely yeah. stupid, you know? Yeah. You know, his finger was in front of the line or his elbow or something, you know, and it's like, do me a favour. You know, it's got to be the body, surely, you know? Mm. You know, I can imagine that if the body is in front, then you're offside. It always has been, you know? Uh, but some of the things are ridiculous, you know? Um, and then, you know, human error has always been part of football, you know? Um, and I'm not saying that that's fair. It's not. But I think that it's gone now. It's spread and it's gone to the extreme. And I don't think that's right. You know, I think it's the rules, in my opinion, should be simplified uh, even in VAR, you know, mm. yeah, let's use it for the crossbar and the line, you know, the goal line. Was that, did the keeper claw it back out? Was it over the line or not? If it was, it's a goal, you know. Uh, I'm not disputing that at all. But if his right elbow or his arm was slightly in front of the player, yeah. do me a favour, you, know? <laughs> you know. I get really angry when I see it, you know, and, and then everyone's anxious. Everyone's sat, you know, they score a goal and they can't celebrate it mm. because they're now looking up thinking, yeah. you know, is it or isn't it, you know, regardless, you know? Yeah. And then they go back about, I don't know, 10 minutes. Oh, he was offside 10 minutes ago, you know? Mm. Well, you know. Different phases of play and. Yeah, the phases of play are, are, are uh, debatable. Um, I think if someone's fouled because they're trying to get in and stuff like that, that's different. But yeah, yeah. no, I think I think it's it's you know I think it's got to be simplified and simplifying it is I think the offside thing is the most frustrating mm. for everyone. Yeah. So don't frustrate everyone. Make it simple. Make it the body. You know, not the not the arm or the ankle or the knee or whatever. You know, because that that that's that's not right. You know. You know you you know Peter Crouch's. Leg might might be in the six yard box, but his body's outside the eighteen yard box. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I, I even believe Peter probably would have found it frustrating even as a centre forward with uh, yeah. VAR today. But talking of frustration, we'll talk about sort of Chelsea in twenty twenty three. Last season, we'll try and forget yeah. that one. It was yeah. one only <clears throat> to forget. They're doing okay at the moment pre-season. You've got the season kicking off um, very, very soon. There's talk of new players potentially coming in. There's also other players potentially coming out. Um, where do you stand with Chelsea today? We've obviously got a new manager in Pochettino and he's doing okay in terms of wow. breeding in the young players in that have come in because we've brought in a hell of a lot of young players mm. over the last 12 months. Where do you stand with Chelsea today? I think what, what, what the manager's done is he's tried to build the morale back up, you know, because it, it seemed all doom and gloom, um, not just on the park, but off the park. Um, again, I think that, and I know at a big club like Chelsea is now, it's very, very, they don't like to hear the word transition. You know, the supporters, they're not into transition. But if you think back when we started talking about the John Neal era, there was a transition taking place. And that transition took place and it was successful. 
But sometimes, you know, you have to give it time. And I know time in football at the top level is hard to buy, you know. So um, I don't think any Chelsea supporter would ever, ever stop supporting Chelsea because that's never going to happen, you know. Um, <clears throat> you'll have your frustrations. You'll, you'll, I think all teams go through fantastic periods and then there's a lull, you know, and it's how they deal with that lull. And I think they're trying to deal with that as best they can. You know, you can knock the chairman and you can have a go at him and you can do what you want. But ultimately, he's putting in a tremendous amount of money to try and make it successful. Maybe he splashed the cash too much initially, perhaps, and made mistakes. Um, and this is where football's different to any other business, I think. You know, you you need people around you who you can uh, trust, but also, you know, we talked about John Neal and Ian McNeil, you know, great, great recruitment, great eye for players. You know, uh, well, we'll try and find someone. Chelsea could find the best at doing that if they wanted to, you know. So, um, I think this 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 period now is going to be crucial to the season ahead because Chelsea need and all the top teams and all the teams that play in the top section of the Premier League, especially the top six, they have to have world-class players, one or two world-class players. And trying to find them, because everyone wants them, yeah. is very, very difficult, yeah. you know, and a lot of them are tied up anyway. Um, and I think that's why the manager said, well, you know, we've got some very, very talented youth players who will only will only progress if they're playing, and even if they have to step in and out. Um, but you still need to keep the experience you know, and you talk about the spine of the team um, and it'll be really, really interesting to see not just the formation, but also the, the, the way that he uses the, the if you like, the, the, the structure within the team, you know, he might change it in certain games to suit playing against certain teams, you know. Um, and he'll be, I'd, I'd assume he'll be now assessing all that. And, and you know, it's all right going in and saying, no, I want him, I want him. But you can't do that. You go in, you assess the team. And thankfully, he's got the pre-season to do that. And then in his own mind, he will go, right, I need a centre forward. I need a right back. I need a whatever. Let's go and get the best we can available. And he will have... Obviously, he's an experienced manager. He'll have his own scouting system. He'll have his own um, dictionary of players, if you like. And hopefully, some of them players, um, well, they'll have to be. They'll have to be top, top ranked players. Um, because I don't think, um, having said that, again, don't want to mention them, but going back to Manchester United and their their youth policy and their unbelievable team of youth they did it you know yeah, so yeah. so you know you can get some comfort from that but you just feel that the the important positions uh you you need experience in an important position and to me that's the spine of the team 
And finally, Colin, how do you look back on your Chelsea career? I'm I'm, I'm proud of, of being part of Chelsea. Um, you know, a kid coming from a small town in Devon, uh, um, incidentally being found by the same scout that, that found Trevor Francis, actually, um, which yeah. is, yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, it, it's something that you dream of, you know, kids in this area dream of it. And uh, at the time, you don't really, um, what can I say, you don't really appreciate it. You don't really... You know, I looked upon it as being, that was my job and that's what I did. And the guy who dri- drove the bus, that was his job sort of thing. And then you don't realise, you know, the size of the achievement playing playing for Tottenham, Chelsea, you know, Brentford, who weren't so big then, but, you know, but, but, but Chelsea in particular, for that length of time and being part of their history... Um, I could never have dreamt of that as a kid, you know, never in a million years, you know. So, uh, now Chelsea is, is been a big part of my life, my family's life. My children are, well, they've grown up now, but they're still, they're massive Chelsea supporters. In fact, my daughter's dog is called Chelsea. So it goes to show it just runs through the family. Keeping it in the family. That's good. Yeah. So no, it's, 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 uh, no, it's just been such an honour and such a um, a privilege, really, to 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 have played for such a fantastic football club, and to see where it's come from to where it is now. Um, that is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, and all the supporters, even the the new ones, but the old ones in particular, the ones who watched us play when we went to the reunion a few weeks ago. That was that was something else, you know, and and uh, yeah, yeah. something I'll never forget. It was it was uh, um, a, a memorable part of my life. Let's put it that way. Fantastic evening it was. Really, yeah. really yeah. sort of great. And, you know, when you see grown men cry, I know, I know. by the bar, yeah. they're seeing their favourites on stage and reminiscing and then when you're hearing sort of great stories and even the great Ken Bates even yeah. everyone was just on top form that night it was just yeah, fantastic. I, I think I think it showed the players personalities and the the players um connection with the club because you know I don't think uh anyone went home without everything signed by every player you know every player <laughs> um you know I've seen players which I, I despise when I see players walk past people and don't sign things, you know, yeah. I, you know, that yeah. to me is disrespectful and, and should never ever happen. But, yeah. um, you know, by the end of the evening, I think everyone had a part of us. And I think that was really important that the players recognized that they did. I mean, knowing them as, as, as individuals and, and, and knowing their personalities, I knew that would be the case, but yeah. You know, when you've got three or four hundred people wanting wanting every bit piece of you, you know it, it, it. But it was great. It was a great atmosphere, and and um, and really, again, it was good for us to give them something back again. You know, uh, and and for us to recognise actually, we did achieve something whilst we were players here. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> something special. It yeah, was it was really brilliant. Special. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, and with with me, uh, Colin, I've. 
this interview for me has been special. So thank you very much for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your stories and your memories of all things Chelsea. It's been really, really enjoyable. And hopefully one day we will see you back at the bridge quite soon as well. Yeah, I'm going to come up to a couple of games this season. So, uh, no, but thanks. Thanks for having me uh, on your show. And uh, it's been great bringing back all those memories to me and talking about it. So uh, I wish you well. Thank you very much. Podcast Network.